Viewer discretion is advised. Whoa, 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 whoa. On today's episode, pro wrestling news, rumors, spoilers, discussions, and predictions. And your hosts, Dark Cores and Draven Rhymes. Welcome back to Heel Shit. Why do we call it that? Because bad guys do heel shit. I'm Dark Cords, that's Draven Grimes. We've got a special episode for you today. The booker for the USWA promotion in Jacksonville. A great promotion with big names. You guys are going to enjoy hearing about him, what they do, and what he does in his free time. Um, Draven, how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, like you said, we are going to be talking to the promoter and co-owner of USWA, United States Wrestling Alliance, right here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, fun fact, uh, he is actually a really old friend. Actually, I think about it. He's probably my oldest friend. I've known him for about 23 years now. Hmm. So I've seen him from like the scrawny little 10 year old kid all the way up to the man that he's become and everything in between the highs, the lows, what he's done in between. So it's going to be a really interesting episode because not only is he part owner, part booker of the USWA, he also does music producing as well. So that's also going to be something we're going to touch in on as well. But all good shit today. All good shit. Well, great. Um, before we get started, don't forget the merch. We've got all the merch at HealShitShop.com. You can... Buy our shit. <laughs> Buy it. You can uh, uh, go to HealShitPodcast.com and get to the shop that way. And also take a listen to our entire podcast library on the podcast page. Um yeah. Let's see what else. Oh, we got the new the new logo merch about to come out. Uh, actually, it's it's up right now, and we got the new uh, Thumpism shirt. Uh, you can go. This is I don't want to say it on here for some reason. Ah, oh, fuck it. Uh, the new Thumpism shirt is Dick available. Wait, Dick offered. Feel free to suck. Feel <laughs> free. Uh, let me let me tell you now, I've got multiple copies of that T-shirt coming, a hoodie, and I got a poster that I'm gonna post right in front of my, my front door. So if anybody doesn't like how I do shit at home, Dick presented. Feel free to suck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna have more Thumpism shirts coming. You guys know Thump Dupree from uh, not only everything he's done in the wrestling business, but uh, from Talking Shit Weekly on uh, our show um, but yeah that's the merch if you give us a, uh, do us a favor and, and like the podcast follow the podcast um, check out uh, our YouTube uh, all social media Heel Shit Podcast we make it real simple Heel Shit Podcast everything um, right. so we're going to take a quick break and pay some bills and um, bring you right back with Brandon Alexander uh, so here's a word from Castel Vodka. Vodka Castel. Indulge in the revolution. 
Thank you, Castel Baca, for sponsoring the podcast. We are back. I am Dark Chords, Draven Grimes, and we'd like to welcome our guest, Brandon Alexander. Say what's up, man. What is up, everybody? How 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 are you guys doing? Your beautiful faces. Fantastic, my dude. Fantastic. Always a great day when I'm able to speak with you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's been a wonderful day, man. I woke up late, had to handle some business, but here we are. I'm, I think I almost got a speeding ticket trying to get back to the studio. Let's <laughs> just put on our bill. So, as we were telling the audience before we went to our break, you are co-owner, Booker, US, uh, United States Wrestling Alliance. So, I just want to dive into that real quick before we like get into the meat and potatoes and how you really got started with USWA. Okay. Uh, so, I got started with USWA as a musical performance act for halftime, like intermission I think it was back in 2011 when that happened. I had a bunch of music out at the time. I, I think I was working on, it was my second album at the time called Hardship Breeds Talent. And I was approached at a show that was out in Stark, Florida by the owner at the time, owners of the United States Wrestling Alliance, almost as like a troll as to like say, hey, would you like to be a part of this? And I found out later that there was a lot more stuff behind the, uh, the scenes that was going on, but I got asked to do the musical performance which I kind of went into business for myself when I was doing this, and I asked Draven, actually, to be a part of it. And we were trying to, like, set something up, and we did, like, a little face-off and whatnot, but then, um, you know, to, to cut right through the rest of the BS, uh, what, what's the policy on cussing? Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Okay, all right, so we cut right through the bullshit, and um, the next thing you know, their, uh, their former ring announcer had actually gotten involved with some people who aren't the most savory people in the world I guess and so I got the phone call about three months after that performance and was like hey we need a ring announcer would you like to fill in I'm like yeah sure I could fill in I've never done anything like that before but I am an MC. I am used to performing in front of crowds I, I have no stage fright whatsoever I have no fears at all actually and um, I tried and I did like half the show and then on the next one they're like yo this guy's not going to be a part of the show anymore. Would you like to do it full time? And I said, absolutely. And for the past, what is it? 12 years now, almost 13 years this July. Um, I've been a part of the company. That's kind of how it got started. Good shit. Good shit. So other than obviously we, we go out way back prior to wrestling, prior to music, oh, yeah. all that good shit. Um, you've, you've said repeatedly that you, you MC, you do music. How did you really break into the music business? As a joke. Um, I was 15 years old, man. And, and you know, like when you're 14 and 15, especially in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003, 2004, there's not a whole lot going on. This is during the advent of broadband internet. And a little thing called Yahoo Messenger was, was a very prevalent thing. And they always separated the, the chat rooms by like, you know, you had your wrestling chats, you had your city chats, like Jacksonville chats. Um, I always stayed more in the hip hop and rap chats for the local area because I was big into underground music. I don't like mainstream anything. Um, right. And in there, you know, somebody was, they, they used to have mic chat where you could push the button and you can hear music. And back then it was like really shit quality. And I heard yeah. some music and I, it, it was a guy, I'll never forget it. It was a dude by the name of Greg. He went by the name Schizo the Sicko. And I hated this this guy. 
this guy played some music and it sucked. And I am always, I've always been verbal about my opinion on things. And I was like, yo, this is trash. It sucks. And uh, he's like, oh, you think you could do better? And so I, as a joke, wrote a song called My Yahoo Hates Your Face, followed up by another song called Hater Mask, which Draven knows very well. Uh, yeah. Followed that up by a song called Heart of a Soldier. I just started rapping as like a joke. I like it, Everybody loves that shit, but to me, it wasn't good at all. And um, it started off on like a $5 Radio Shack mic, you know, one of those gooseneck mics. You know, the old school, like, foldable mics. And now, you know, 15, 20 years later almost, like, look where we are. Professional studio, like, professional mics, good quality stuff. I've got analog gear behind me. I started off as a joke, but then, like, I realized, you know, my mom was a musician. My dad was heavy into, like, all kinds of music. So, like, blues and jazz and even some gospel stuff like that. And it's kind of in my DNA. And I started to realize, I'm actually pretty good at this. And people love it. So, in 2011... I uh, I did a stage performance uh, August 14th, I believe. Well, yeah, August 14th, 2011 uh, was one of my very first performances and the big bearded man over there, old Ginger Face, acted as my hype man because it was a last minute thing and I needed I needed a hype man and the rest was history after that. That was a great night. Great <laughs> night. Sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, so, you've gone through the music deal, you've gone through the wrestling deal and you're known by a lot of aliases. I mean, between me and you, it's A2K, oh, yeah. BCA. I know the stories of all this shit. Um, can you just kind of like give us a brief history of like how A2K started, that evolved into New Chaos, that evolved into BCA? Okay. Uh, you Like at the very beginning of it? Well, I mean, like towards like when me and you got involved into it. Okay. So A2K wasn't the first thing a2k was addicted to chaos that was more like the second iteration the first iteration was a thing called the underestimated show you and i both grew up with the jackass the the cky the the bum fights the girls gone wilds like those grab a video camera film everything put it out on a dvd that that was the generation we grew up on because the internet youtube wasn't prevalent at the time at all um so in on uh, uh, the dates right there uh december 6th no december 15th 2006 um i started a little group called the underestimated crew and it was me um it was my boy mikey it was kenny it was troy a couple other people i don't even mess with no more and david and we started just filming random skits and you know as people grow and friend like as you're when you're teenagers you get into little drama and stuff as you grow as you evolve uh we disbanded and so after that I'm a big heavy metal fan, so I found a song by Megadeth called Addicted to Chaos. I was hanging out with a, a kid, uh, rest in peace, um, Mason. 2-5 Mason. We, I love that kid, and he's like, yo, why don't you just call it Addicted to Chaos, but like, so we don't get sued, uh, change the C to um, a, a K and put like a 2 instead of like the number, or the letter 2, you could just put, or a number 2, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. So we called it A2K, and it just kind of like rang off the, the bell. And so I started hanging out uh, again with uh, with Draven. I started hanging out with a guy named Devin. Started hanging out with Terry. Started hanging out with a bunch of other people. Um, and a, a gentleman that both Draven and I know that we don't ever mention ever. Uh, yeah. You know, RIP, sort of. And from there, we just started filming a 14-part web series. And this is right around the time YouTube got started. 
and this is before Google bought it. So like becoming a partner and getting paid for stuff was a lot easier back then. Because once you got that little check mark next to your thing, those YouTube views actually meant something. And we did like um, one of our best videos we did was want to see a donkey show. It did like 250,000 within a year. And there was a nice little chunk of change that came with that before Google bought it. But again, as uh, everything grows and evolves, you know, people started getting jealous. And we, of course, teenagers too, were growing up, we're 18, we're trying to make decisions, not get arrested. And the next thing you know, people see like money's coming in, but they're like, oh, but I'm doing this, I'm getting shot with the paintball gun, why am I not getting the check? You know? Uh, meanwhile, I'm over here doing the graphic design, the video editing, the, the distribution, like everything. I'm printing the DVDs, the shirts, literally like guerrilla marketing over here. And everybody else wants to take a bigger cut uh, just because they're getting shot with a paintball gun or something like that. And I, I'm like, that's not how it works. So, of course, egos and competition got in the way. They left. Um, they went completely away. And so I started a new group we called Chaos Works. <laughs> And Chaos Works was to be a conglomerate of uh, both my music at the time was getting bigger and the video stuff. And then after Chaos Works, we decided to, to kind of like get into podcasting and get into video editing and get into whatever was the little social media thing at the time. I think MySpace was prevalent at the time. GeoCities, if you remember that, uh, website building. So that became KWRX Media, which is just a radio acronym for Chaos Works. And then from that point on... Um, I was at the time probably 22 or 23 whenever all this stuff kind of disbanded. I had moved to Atlanta. I had come back from Atlanta. I was homeless. I was dealing with life, addiction, sobriety, all that stuff. And I wanted to build something new. See where I'm going with this? I wanted to build something new whenever I came home. And I was like, well, this can't be like the old chaos. And somebody like put in my ear like, well, just make it a new chaos. I'm like, wait a minute. Light bulb. So we called the group New Chaos. It was me, you, Pedro, uh, Charlie Chaplin, Eric, the dude that used to dress like a freaking Transformer all the time, like uh, Cam, uh, a whole bunch of people, man. And it was like, it was everything. It was wrestling, it was music, it was podcasts, it was videos, it was merchandise. It was everything that we could possibly think of under one banner, a bunch of people doing a bunch of different shit. I mean, you've got it tattooed on your arm. Like it, yeah. it, even though it doesn't really exist and it's kind of died down, like it's still, it's still a part of who I am. I still wear the shirts. I still own all the rights to it. I still have the media. Um, but a little lesser known fact is that from the year 2010 till about 2016, I was actually collecting a check from Monster Energy for the rights to the word chaos. Every can they sold, I made 15 cents off of. And mm -hmm. You know how much Monster costs? You know how much money I made. Yeah. But I don't own the rights to it anymore, so. But yeah, that's how I got started. And it... Now, we got a little bit of the history personal-wise, right? So, how did you, like... How can I put this the right way? Honestly. Honestly, yeah. So, you know how I broke into the business. You know about me going up Tennessee when I was 14 with Ronnie and Donnie Harris, right? And coming back down here. How did you first like get like the first step into the business uh the first step into the business was the uh i mean if we're being completely honest it is the exact way that nobody really should ever admit who's in the professional wrestling business obviously the backyard everybody starts in the backyard man it doesn't matter if you're a pro in the e 
or if you're working with the elite or if you're in the indies like you never want to admit you're in the backyard but honestly like from the time i was born until about 16 or 17 years old i, I was in the backyard I've, I've been with you um but in doing the backyard stuff i met a guy who through my music whose name is gene gene davis uh he probably hates me now but i'm going to talk about him anyway um gene davis and i used to backyard wrestle all the time and one time we were uh at his house we were watching wrestlemania 22 this is 2006 wrestlemania 22 um we had stayed up all night we watched you know um one of kurt angle's last matches we watched the return of dx we watched the mcmahon Shawn michaels fight and then after we were done we stayed up for hours and hours partying well we decided to go walk through town and get uh some breakfast and if you know a small town named uh called McClenny and Glen St. Mary, you know how far those walks can be on those back roads. Yes. Walking along yep. those roads, we found the uh, the McClenny Fairgrounds, which you and I know very well, very personally. And I heard a lot of banging and screeching and metal on metal and all kinds of stuff. And me being the curious 16-year-old teenager that I am, I'm like, yo, what is that? So I walk in and I see them putting together a wrestling ring. And I also see guys like John Davis, Matt Kuma, Jason Hex, Bam Bam Moreau, uh, Nui Lee, uh, Sam Shaw, all these different people that I would later on go and become best friends with. Um, so I was like, hey, do you guys need some help? This is awesome. And I helped them carry in boards. I put together the ring. I set up chairs. Me, uh, me Gene, Terry, and Michael Sharon, we all did this together. And uh, at the time, it was a company, I, I, I believe it was still U, USCW, Mr. B stuff, but Roland was kind of in charge of it. And uh, mm -hmm. I was like, hey, do you guys mind if I stay for the show? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't pay you, but the least we can do is let you stay. So I did that, and I got to meet guys uh, at, at the time. That show, I, got, I met those guys, and I got to meet, um, oh, damn, what's his name? The Four Horsemen that was in AEW. I just, it just literally slipped. Tully? Blanchard, yeah, Tully Blanchard. Uh, Tully Blanchard, Brian Lee, and a couple of others were there. The fake Undertaker. And, uh, and uh, Brian Kelly, who's now known as Byron Sexton. And I got to meet all these guys. And just, I was enamored. And this is at the time I saw John Davis do a standing shooting star press when he was known as J.D. Holly. He was only like 200 pounds even. Um, I said, yeah, I said, I want to be a part of this. I some Somehow or another, I need to be a part of this. And so... I, I want to say it was either John or it was Matt Kuma who were like, come on, kid, get in the ring, take a bump. I'm like, what's a bump? I had no idea. You know, backyard terminology didn't exist. It was just, hey, hit the ground as hard as you can, get hit in the head with a stop sign. So I get in the ring, and I'm like, oh, it feels soft and bouncy and blah, blah, blah. And then I hit the mat for the very first time, and boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it is not soft. It is not a trampoline. It is solid steel, solid wood, and cabling. And you hit that ground at a high velocity with your back muscles, no matter how big or small you are, it hurts. But there's something very addicting about it. Yes. You, ha you have to be a sadist. You have to definitely be masochistic in a, in a sense that, like, you're willing to put your body through this. And from that point on, I was hooked. So I had uh, John Davis work with me a lot, um, help put together like the foundation and the fundamentals and stuff like that um even to this day he still tells people how we met and uh he puts me over even though he probably shouldn't uh from that point on uh i started looking up schools and i found one that we don't talk about 
I went there. Um, I checked it out. I met guys, you know, that I still am friends with today. Um, we got the foundation down, stuff like that. I came back. It wasn't and in I, hotel, was it? No, no. It, it was it was in Central Florida, but we're just we're, we're gonna leave okay. that one alone. <laughs> um, we uh, we, we we come back, and I am going through a very rough phase in my life. You know, I was recently married. I had a kid on the way. Like a bunch of stuff happened, so all, that entire part of my life got put on pause. And I focused nothing more on my education, sobriety, and my music. And when I came home, obviously, uh, I still wanted to be a part of the wrestling business. And I, I was just blessed, man. I got blessed with an opportunity to be in the wrestling business without having to hurt myself. But every time I get in that ring for the past 13 years almost, it's very, uh, it, it, it gives me that itch. And you know what I'm talking about. It gives me that itch. I, I still mess around. I mean, I think I have videos of me and, and, uh, and Draven here um, pretty much tearing down his house beating the absolute shit out of each other so yeah. there's, there's always always that want and need and maybe one day who knows maybe one day I'll get in there and I'll get I'll get my shine and my glory but I don't I don't anticipate that because of injuries and the, the age is definitely a factor and the not going to the gym and eating healthy is also a factor so well, that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast is that obviously our careers are, are winding down. Um, I'm quite a bit older than Draven is, but um, definitely definitely on the downslope. Um, so this podcast gives us the opportunity to stay really connected with the industry. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and use our knowledge to, to stay connected. So I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, and I've watched what you guys have done and, and grown from the very beginning. I mean, I even sent Graven a message like, yo, who's doing the website, man? This is fantastic shit. I need to uh, bite the steez, man. Like, it's it's very well put together. I'm, I'm very proud of you guys. Like, I don't know you personally, uh, Chords, but I, I've known Draven for a long time. This is uh, very awesome, and to be invited to be on this show is pretty cool, too. No, no, no problem. You guys, uh, you guys have one of, the, one of the few legit shows in Jacksonville. Uh, with Draven knowing you it was more, more than you know our pleasure to have you on thanks man I appreciate it yeah so getting back to USWA um obviously I know a lot of the talent there you know a lot of the talent um but more of like the talent that you don't see like the backstage stuff the audio mm -hmm. security stuff like that um a lot of them are like good personal friends of ours how did we how did we how did you more or less get them involved in the in the uh USWA family? So a lot of the guys that are backstage now were there before I I got there. Um Terry Sorge is our production guy and I mean he was he started out as a ref for the company and um we used to have a group that would come in and film the shows, uh, a little group called Pro Wrestling Extra. Shout out to Hollywood Jamie Love, a man who actually got me broken into the business and, and before USWA I actually used to travel with him to like Sanford and film shows and we do like the the Ritz shows and other stuff like that but that's that's another story for another time um as he got phased out Terry's like hey I I can film I I can edit I'm like okay well you're a ref you can't do two things at once and he was his body was beat down he didn't want to be a ref he didn't want to run around and stuff he had his kids so he became the production guy um the sound guy uh, actually passed away. His name was Kevin. He owns a little shop right here in Jacksonville called Kevin's Music Store. 
It was actually one of the places I bought my very first microphone from, uh, my very first professional microphone, I should say. Uh, was a really good Christian man, had a, a great establishment, and unfortunately, he um, disease got a hold of him, and he passed away, left a legacy. So after that, we kind of just, we've had different people come in and out doing the sound, and then eventually we got fed up with trying to teach people how to queue up music at the proper time or run a certain thing a certain way. So we took it upon ourselves to just buy our own equipment and do it ourselves. And me being in the music industry, that was a very easy choice for me to, right. to go to the music store and say, I need this, 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 and this, and I need this set of speakers. And we could hook it up and we could just have, even if it's bottom of the line, we can still make it sound good. Right. Um, and then backstage has always been guys like Dagan Briggs and John Davis, who are the older veteran wrestlers who have seen um, the likes of TNA and ECW and CZW and Gorilla and all kinds of different companies. So their knowledge combined helps run the, the backstage area and, of course, mentor me into a position where I can um, learn and and actually have in the re, uh, in the past i think two or three years have actually applied what i've learned from them to kind of take almost i'd say like 80 percent control of the company and kind of do my own thing in my own my own way but i still maintain the fact that i'm not a professional wrestler so whenever I, it, it's very hard for me to stand up in front of a group of like 20 or 30 men who beat the hell out of their bodies for the entertainment of fans and tell them what to do but i also have to maintain the fact that i am the boss you know what i what i say has to go but a respectful line needs to be drawn when it comes to that level of communication you know i would never ask somebody to do something that i wouldn't be willing to do myself you know what i mean so um that's pretty much how the backstage is it's very small group tight-knit um family like when we say it's a family show we don't just mean like that's how we present it. it it is a family show but like it's a family show we are a family and you know personally, like once you come into the USWA fold, your family for life, as long as you have like respect, decorum, and loyalty, like yes. you will you will constantly have an opportunity with us, whether it be setting up the ring, working security, being on the show, doing something. Like it's just how it is. But yeah, that's that's USWA's product and how we are, the little dome I like to say. That's great. Good good shit. So does USWA have any shows coming up? in the near future yeah and uh what's today's date the 12th i believe so yes if it is yep 12 so in 10 days at the national guard armory we make our return with uh we don't have a title for the show because it's just uswa it's the united states wrestling alliance presents united states wrestling alliance at the armory um there was a lot of uh quote-unquote strangleholds that went into putting this show together because we the last show we did was in October and then in January we had some family stuff arise uh, there was a baby born and like all kinds of family stuff so we we, we cut the uh, the January show out and usually January is when we do the Don Curtis Memorial Cup shout out to uh, Don and Dottie Curtis uh, rest in peace uh, Don um, but unfortunately or fortunately however you want to look at it we couldn't do the January show just because of family stuff which we pride ourselves on family always comes first family and faith and so we moved on to do the April show. April 22nd, National Guard Armory, Normandy Boulevard. I believe it's 9900 Normandy Boulevard. You can't miss it. If you drive down Normandy Boulevard and you see like tanks and barracks and stuff like that, just pull in, pay 10 bucks at the door, and you'll see it. Um, 
but yeah so with this show we kind of wanted to move into a different direction because obviously at the october show we finally crowned a new uswa heavyweight champion which had been it's a championship that had been dormant for um just before 2017 it, it had been a, a dormant championship because we had moved into a partnership with another group which i don't really even want to talk about but their their belt belongs to us in the sense that it's been on our guy and our main champion for five years now literally the longest reigning champion that we've ever had um and there there was no falling out but i don't like the direction that it was going into and this this was a personal veto of my own and i still to this day don't know how i was able to pull it off but i had a new belt made to fit uh what was going to be the new champion they had a match and uh kiko harris came out on top as the new uswa heavyweight champion so we skip through the january show we get to april well again family takes precedence unfortunately kiko will not be at this show to defend the uswa heavyweight championship because well he's a grown-ass man and he does what he wants but he also has a prior obligation with his family uh which we completely honor and understand that's that's not a big deal to me like there's always next time uh but the the main event for this one is going to be a a banger we will have the uswa elite championship on the line against the pope elijah burke former nwa television champion he runs his own professional company he's a part of multiple difference former wwe superstar ecw guy one of vince mcmahon's chosen ones uh tna guy uh another one of the veterans that has a plethora of knowledge and a very good friend of mine and he also runs a uh charity called the love alive charity uh we're bringing in some new tag teams i believe we have the russell twins for the very first time in uswa taking on uh another tag team which i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce the name um, we've got Daniel Lacey coming back. We've got uh, Dante Casanova coming back. I'm very impressed with these young guys, so I wanted to try to bring them back. We've got the return of Storm Thomas. Happy about that one. One of his very first Florida shows back. Um, again, Stunt Marshall, the USWA Elite Champion, longest reigning USWA Elite Champion, former Don Curtis Memorial Cup winner. It, just so much stuff going on with this one, and I kind of wanted to put some shine on some newer guys because you always see the John Davises, you always see the Dagan Briggses, you always see like um, our tag team champions Culture Inc. also won't be there uh, due to a prior obligation um, but I brought in a USWA familiar to kind of fill in the gap, a young man by the name of Miles Millennium all the way all the way from up north man He um, he's one of my favorite wrestlers We we actually booked him one time on accident that booking miles was a complete accident like uh i had booked a gentleman by the name of chris grimm for a show that you know very well called no turning back yes the moment moment you became an engaged man (laughs) Um, and in front of uh close to 500 people miles was in the he was in the car with grimm and i put him on the show and because i needed a smaller guy to, to run with a guy like snoop strikes and you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, they're very similar in stature. And I had no idea that they were going to steal the show. And I mean, they stole the show. Acrobats, yeah. high spots, low spots, technical wrestling. They were just the crowd loved them. And so I approached Miles. I'm like, hey, would you like to be a part of River City Wrestling Con and do it again? <laughs> and then after that, I was like, hey, would you like to be a part of River City Wrestling Con and have a match against Rich Swan? 
And, yep. you know, three times in a row, the man impressed and stole the crowd each time. And so for this one, I hit him up and I was like, hey, Miles, I really need you a part of the show. This is back in January. Um, he's like, ah, oh, sorry, man, I can't make it. Keep in mind, he's coming from Maryland. I th- I, I want to say it's Maryland. Um, and he's like, I can't make it. You know, I have my hometown show here. And I was like, all right, well, next time. So, again, the January show got canceled. So I was like, all right, we're going to move on to April. And so I immediately, he's the first person I thought it was like, yo, you want to be a part of the April show, April 22nd? He's like, sure. I was like, all right, cool. Hop in my inbox. We'll talk about logistics. We got it set up, and now he's coming back. I'm very happy to have him, and I, honestly, I hope he brings people with him because, uh, you know, the more eyes I can get on newer wrestlers that I've never seen before, the better off the future of the business is. And exactly. So that's that's where we are with the April show, and uh, $10 at the door. You can go to uswrestlingalliance.com. You can pick up tickets online. You can contact the phone number on the website. You can get them in person, uh, advance, however you want to do it, man. Just show up. Bring your family. It's a very family-friendly show. Bring the kids. Um we pride ourselves in that. That's where we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, you know me. Anytime USW comes to town and I'm able to make it, I'm going to make it. And I will be there April 22nd representing Heel Shit Podcast. Dark should be there as well. Mm-hmm. So if anybody sees that show, come get a shout out. We'll put you on the show. All that good shit. Uh, Draven's so- bringing his gang of children. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving moving back to the music aspect, um, you've recorded uh, plenty of albums, and I know, I know your entire discology by heart at this point. Yeah, you do. Are we allowed to talk about what's coming out? Yeah, yeah. It's it's time. Like promotion started uh, a couple days ago. I uh, officially announced the release of the new album. Yeah, we can talk about it. All right, well, give us the spill on the new album, okay? So the new album is, is going to be titled Vaxillate. And if you don't know what that means, it's a simple term. Well, not a simple term. It's a th- thesaurus term for indecisive. Because when I started coming up with um, album, like I was, I was thinking of a name, and I, I just couldn't think of names because I have so many things running through my mind. I was like, I'm undecided. And then right there, a light bulb went off. I was like, well, what's another word for undecided? And I stumbled upon the word in a thesaurus called vaxillate. And I was like, well, this could be like striking hot iron because not only is it a good word that catches attention, but people could accidentally type in the word vaccinate given the society we live in and see it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a double uh, double whammy there. But um, this is the first album that I have worked on and put any serious effort into in three years. Uh, my last album, The Copay, and the album before that, The Invoice, came out in 2019 and 2020. Most people took 2020 and 2021 when we were in a global pandemic to perfect their craft, to, they had nothing but time. They were stuck in the house, they had nothing but time to work on themselves, to go to the gym, to be better, to um, get in a better headspace, to try to, do that kind of shit and I did nothing I squandered the opportunity man I sat on my ass I was lazy um, at the time I had a part-time job I got laid off because of the pandemic um, I didn't work on any music I didn't work on any podcast I didn't shoot any videos so for three years my entire media career had laid dormant 
Uh, we did do a couple like old music shows. We did Chaos Fest in um, 2018, 19, and 2020. 2020 was our last one we did. And then from that point on, we kind of disbanded, um, didn't hang out anymore, and didn't make any music. So this is the first time I've made any effort uh, in three years to put out an album. And this is probably the fastest I've also ever worked, because you know me. I'll write a song and then I'll hyper fixate on it because it's not good enough, in, at least in my opinion. Um, but if you go back and anybody out there who looks me up on Spotify, it's uh, just BCA, J-U-S-T-B-C-A, all one word. Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever you listen to your music on, just Google it, you'll find it. Um, if you go back and you listen to the album, uh, the invoice and the copay, they, they sound very similar. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of emo stuff that goes on in there. There's a lot of story. It's basically the story of like my sobriety, uh, my addiction, my getting married, my divorce, the loss of a child, like all kinds of stuff. And it's a very dark record. It's just my emotions coming out in music form. It's not your standard radio style hip hop. I don't, I don't do that. That's not me. I can't lie about being a gangster and having hoes and the fastest cars and the flyest clothes because that's not the kind of life I live. You know what I mean? Right. But what I can talk about are the things that I've been through. I can talk about injury. I can talk about drug addiction. I can talk about uh, what I'm feeling and depression and stuff like that. But that's been done. You know, the last two albums I put out, it there were repeats of old music that I put together and new stuff. And the song Heaven Won't You Let Me In kind of became the hit on there. And I was like, okay, I like this style. Let me stick with this. It seems to be something that I threw at the wall and it just stuck. So with this album, um, I reconnected with a longtime friend of mine named Timmy B. And I don't necessarily agree with the kind of music he makes, but I, I enjoy his creativity, I, I, his tenacity to create something that's different. So I was like, all right, let me try something different. And I turned on uh, a beat one day and opened up the studio back up, started recording a song, and the next thing I know, I've got six bangers sitting here on my desktop right now that are just fantastic. I mean, we've got, I, I think in the course of two weeks, I wrote a song called Sick and Tired. I wrote a song called Alienated. Uh, Fuck You. You Broke. Uh, what's the other one? Time that I just got done. And then uh, Labyrinth. I might be more than six. But I was like, you know what? I should put together an album. And so I've officially announced that on July 14th, my new album, Vaxlate, comes out on all platforms will be professionally distributed. There's going to be a couple music videos that are in the process of being shot right now. Um, just a lot of stuff. This is one of those things where it's a last ditch effort. This is this is the this is the one for me. This is my twilight basically. I'm, I might might have one more record in me, but this one is kind of like my junior and or senior year before I go off into the sunset and just kind of stop doing albums and only do singles or sporadic music. Um, so a lot of effort is going into this, and I actually feel more motivated now to do it than I ever have when I should have been doing it three years ago. Right, and I've I've got a little little sneak peek of it when I was sick and tired. You sent me about yeah about three or four weeks, ago. and dude, that song, especially like what happened right after in my life, really like hit me to the point where I was like, "Fuck, there's an empty verse here. Let me just yeah. write some shit, see what happens." And like I said it to you thinking, oh, he's going to shit on this. <laughs> so, you know, I can write shit, but I, I can't fucking, I can't rap or I can't do none of that shit. I'm too white for that shit. But you told me <laughs> that shit was a fucking banger. I was like, well, fuck. Yeah, no, it was, it's good, man. One day I get into this shit, maybe a little late for it. 
But, I mean, if every song is, like, in the same vibe as Sick and Tired and, and catches me like Sick and Tired does, I can't wait for this album. Oh, man. Definitely. There are there are two songs I need to send to you so you can give me your feedback on them. But my two favorite songs so far are um, the song Time and the other song Labyrinth. Because Labyrinth is... It feels like it should have been on the Copay album, but it's it's a new experimental sound for me. As you know, I don't like radio rap, but I wrote the song as a hip hop song, so it's it's supposed to be bar for bar, just like going in there and just rapping it like fat, like how I normally do things. But something triggered me to turn on um, Auto Tune. I hate Auto Tune. Auto Tune is not my thing at all. It's very T Pain-y. Like it's a very early two thousands vibe. Everybody does that shit nowadays. But with this song specifically, it kind of fit that being stuck in a chamber of your mind vibe because it's called Labyrinth. It's about me going through drug addiction and having cravings and stuff like that and just very foggy, shadowy things. So I was like, Autotune kind of gives that I'm stuck in a hall feel. And then time is also dealing with the getting over uh, the loss of friends and stuff like that. Um, that's why I said like this record is completely different because before I was talking about... Um, all the the emotional side of me like so uh divorce depression uh being sad the loss of my parents this one is about being angry holding on to resentment being stuck in my head about a lot of things like I, you know me i'm a very outspoken person and sometimes like i lash out and that's what this album is is me letting my feelings go about the loss of my friends like i used to run with the new chaos crew all the time and then one day they just stopped hanging out with me because they they wanted to go off to what they thought was greener pastures and turns out they got screwed over i mean they're doing their own thing now which is cool but they still represent something that pissed me off and i held on to that for three years so that's what this album is about but it goes through a gradual process like sick and tired is the first one uh where it's like fuck you i hate you I never want to be a part of your shit again. Like you guys should just go rotten hell. And then you got alienated where it tells my side of the story where it's like, you've pushed me away and I feel some type of way about that. And then time is the song in the trilogy. It's the last one that represents the healing side of that. Like I've given it time. Um, I miss my friends. I miss what we used to do. I miss what all of that represented. Um, you know, I, the first part of the hook says i put my trust inside myself because i can't trust nobody else how are you gonna love me if you can't even love yourself um type shit so it was basically like me going to find who i was um and then labyrinth is what i essentially felt after that like getting drunk and and not being sober and just losing everything about myself and will I make it out alive? And obviously I did because now I'm telling the story about it. And then fuck you is, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> so it tells a story of my feelings from like the time that everything happened to where I'm at now, which is obviously a much better place mentally. I'm hella busy. I just got back from uh, one of uh, a negotiation with a potential sponsor and they handed me a bunch of merchandise to pass out and sample, which I'm going to save some for you to try at the show. And right now I'm just focused on getting this album done. I chose July because summertime is jam time. Like every, all the kids are going to be out of school. Like Everybody's going to be needing stuff to listen to while they're at the beach and doing their thing. So I, I chose July 14th because it gives me enough time to do this and then get it out right. there. 
Beautiful. We're, we're in the middle of April, so I have, what, like 90 days to go ahead and just finish up the next four songs and then put it out. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really interesting to hear because <clears throat> my first love is music. It's probably the most important thing in the world to me, not including people, obviously. Um, it, from a, a very young age, like you, I became addicted to hip-hop. I mean, I grew up, uh, my teen years were in the 90s. So, Hell yeah. Uh, Pac, Biggie, uh, I mean, Pac. Wu-Tang. Oh, yeah. Wu-Tang yeah. is forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I've been through all that. Uh, I used to, uh, I've been in the music business. Uh, I, don't, I test, technically am not in it anymore. I'm in the, in the liquor business, which is hey. adjacent. Um, <laughs> You got a guy who's in recovery talking to a guy who's in the liquor business. That's awesome. Hey. I think we get sponsored, my boy. Talk about happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I feel I feel you. I mean, I've I've done a lot of writing. I've done a lot of. Um, I've been on the corporate side of the music business as well, um, and it's it's my first love. So I, I, I like hearing the passion that you got for it. Um, so yeah, no, I really respect that. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, there's a lot of love and passion that goes into it. I mean, Draven's been with me for shit 20, 23 years. 23 years now. Like, ever since I got off the bus in middle school, he's been there and, like, just something's captivated. Like, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've seen each other cry, we've been through, like, the darkest moments. And the one thing that's been awesome about his friendship is it's consistent. It's never changed. Like, if I've ever needed to be checked on something, he checked me. If I've ever needed to be consoled on something, he's sold me on it if i ever needed a, a, a helping hand no hesitation no questions asked dude's always been there so yeah, no, it, i completely agree nice to feel that let's uh not spend too much time sucking draven's dick but yeah no he's he's a great friend <laughs> i mean pre present it man i'll call your bluff let's go Come on. <laughs> well buy the new feminism t-shirt and we'll talk about it <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um I, I just wanted to say real quick, you know, we've we've known each other 23 fucking years. Yeah, man. And like you said, we've gone through the highest of highs, lowest of lows. We've gone through deaths of family members, uh, us trying to kill each other, us trying to kill ourselves, all that good shit. You know, you've always been that one guy, no matter what, that I could always count on. You know, I appreciate and that. I, and I, I love you for it. And, I, and everything that you've gone through, especially from like 2007 to as recent as 2020 like i like to call I those the dark times <laughs> i couldn't be more proud of the person that you've become thank you you, you were the the person you are now is the person i saw that you could be way back then when we were 17 18 years old and i'm just so happy to see that you're finally happy and thriving and no longer like in this deep dark place constantly like yeah you can go back to that place and oh, yeah, yeah you always when you get to that place and i can pretty much always talk you out of it but i'm just i'm happy that it's not a nightly phone call at this point no and you, you talk about i can go back there at any time like yeah that's because i have learned uh with depression uh self-control but now it's more of a manifestation like yeah it's still there but now i'm the one in control like i can use that to my advantage you know it's uh what's the what's the song that um I can't think of it, but they re they released a song called uh, "Waking Up the Devil." Hinder, hinder, waking yep. up the devil. 
that's how it is. It's like, yo, the devil's been caged for a really long time, but you're about to meet a really good friend of mine type shit. That's how it is now. It's like, I'm in a much better spot in my life. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm in love. I know what love feels like. I, I am a busy man with the, the business and the corporate side. I'm, I'm working on my music. I'm very happy. But at someone crosses a line like i have no problem going back there man. you know right <laughs> like i'll i'll right. like for, at this point i have a family that i'm willing to catch a charge for at mm-hmm. this point so. i got no problem taking yeah kind words like, man you make me feel all soft and stuff man that's weird i don't like <laughs> so i appreciate you coming on today yeah, uh, appreciate you having i got a couple of questions um back to the to the wrestling side um, Wait, are you, are you on this side or are you on this side? You're over here for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, take it to this side of the table. Sports. <laughs> um, my biggest question is, USWA, you've all obviously had success. You've been around a long time as a promotion. Mm-hmm. You draw every fucking time. Tell Thankfully. me what you see as the biggest problem with the promotions that pop up and disappear. It's like in general or just in Florida or like what? Well, in Florida, we'll say. Well, Florida is the what we like to call the wrestling capital because this is where the Fed basically is. This is where their training ground is. A lot of guys come here. So uh, Jacksonville, or not Jacksonville, but Florida in general has like a huge influx of new wrestlers or like competitive athletes or bodybuilders and stuff like that. So there's always people looking for opportunity. Um, one of the biggest problems I see is that everybody nowadays has easy access to professional wrestling. And I don't, I don't like that because when I was growing up, when you were growing up, when Draven was growing up, like we saw these guys on TV or we'd catch like a random, like three o'clock in the morning underground indie show on a local channel. Mm -hmm. We would be enamored by that. And those guys were larger than, I remember like in 2005 when I found an MLW show on when I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I had no idea that existed. Um, Everybody has easy access to it, and I don't like that because everything that's behind the curtain comes to light. Like, uh, we have a term in this business called mark, and it seems like everybody nowadays is a mark for themselves because there are so many opportunities that when you try to book somebody and they've been to a specific place, no matter what it is, even if they're just a security guard or a ninja running around on TV in the background, they feel like that's a, a stepping stone for them to start charging astronomical amounts of money but it seems like they forget where they come from but on the other side on the business side of wrestling the biggest problem i have is everybody who shouldn't be a part of the business trying to be a part of the business mm-hmm. i mean for instance you got a guy that runs a toy store he's like oh, i want to do a wrestling show so i'm going to put up a couple thousand dollars and get a ring and i'm going to do it in my parking lot and that just gives wrestling a bad look you know parking lot i've done a couple of them i'm not opposed to it but like do it properly and then you've got these these shows that pop up once a year, like you know where I'm going. Uh, they're they're called uh, tax return wrestling federations because you get you get that quick uh, check and you have um, a little extra expendable income and you're like, I think I can run go. Or you get those guys who are has beens or never were gonna bees who want to be a part of the business and so they start running their own company. Uh, or you get the people who are bitter and don't get booked anywhere and they kind of throw shade and they do their own thing, mm-hmm. which some of these people are, they're good at it and they deserve success. 
Uh, and there's other people who should just disappear into the limelight and, or disappear into the uh, the shade and, and never come back out. That's the biggest problem that we have with professional wrestling is there's an oversaturation and not enough control. There's not enough good people to actually take control and make things uh, be done properly. There's a lot of people who want to be in control but have no idea how to maintain the uh, what's uh, the majesty of the business, so to speak. So, what would your um, what would your advice be for a young promoter that has the wrestling industry IQ, is doing it for the right reasons, and wants to make it successful, um, and just don't quite know how to go from pulling thirty people a show to one hundred and fifty people a show? So, the biggest piece of advice I can give somebody like that is. First, we would have to have a conversation, obviously. Um, how serious are you? Like, where is your mindset at? Like, what are your goals? Like, it, or do you just want to run a show? Or are you doing this for a special occasion? Or are you trying to start a business? Mm -hmm. But once we establish that, the biggest piece of advice I would have, oh, 10 minute mark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the biggest piece of advice I would give is find an established promotion. Find somebody who has the experience, the resume shadow that person don't just be like in their inbox asking questions but like show up to their business and don't talk mouth closed ears open eyes wide and just pay attention and then when the time is right ask questions you know what i mean um but also don't step on toes learn respect don't come into that per like as soon as you're done learning and stuff like that don't step on that person's toes in the same city within the same month within a 50 mile radius of where they're fixing to do something at sure. like shadow these people and learn and apply properly execute well and what have you found to be um, the most effective promotion means uh, obviously with the internet now I've got a ton of electronic options but at least in my opinion the best way is still pounding the pavement with flyers yep Yep, you, you said it. I, yep, I don't even have to answer that question. You answered it for me. Yeah, pounding the pavement, word of mouth. Um, present a product that's good, and people will talk. Mm. Like, that's just, that's the simple, that's as old as time. Like, that's how Jesus got his disciples. <laughs> word of mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, put on a show, do it well, get good, and the people, like, if you build it, they will come, honestly. That's mm. that's just how it uh, it limits itself to becoming a flagship show like we obviously couldn't have been running for the past 12 or 13 years if it wasn't for people talking like we've had people that came to the first show and those people are going to be at this show it's just the loyalty but those people have also talked so yeah pounding the pavement is you can print up 60,000 flyers man they're going to wind up in the trash can somewhere but if you actually like present something that somebody loves they're going to go tell their friends about it at work the next day and then when the next one comes they're going to show up mm -hmm. so get good <laughs> yeah. Uh, Draven, do you have any other questions? No. Um, nothing as far as you know, SWA or anything like that. I mean, we can sit down for like a table of three kind of deal and just talk for hours. Oh, yeah. History and of our opinions on shit. Yeah, we could talk the shit business all day. Eight minutes. So I guess we can go ahead and just wrap this one up. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for getting on here for us. Uh, as always, I love you and I appreciate everything you do. 
I love you too, man. Not only for wrestling, but for the wrestling business, for the music business, for everybody you know that's in your life that you touch. You know, everybody's so grateful that that you that you are who you are, basically. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful for everybody who's you know been a part of my life. So like before we get out of here, you know, shout out to my new label who signed me. I didn't have to go sign with or I didn't have to sign myself and do anything independent. Uh, no music, no life. KMKL. Uh, shout out to Video Game Rescue for constantly having that that family vibe and that loyalty to the United States Wrestling Alliance. Shout out to obviously Draven for being a good friend, meeting Dark Chords and having me on the show. Shout out to everybody who's had me work their events or been a part of something shout out to river city wrestling con shout out to just everybody who's listened that listens to heel shit podcast who took their time out to subscribe and follow and what it just check out that awesome ass website i'm still enamored by it. <laughs> actually actually i paid i found a chick on fiverr and she did it for like 40 bucks hell yeah fiverr shout out to fiverr absolutely <laughs> now guys Listen, if you are within 250 miles of Jacksonville, Florida on April 22nd and you're a wrestling fan, you fucking owe yourself to come to the USWA show. They are far and away the best promotion in Northeast Florida and they do shows right. They have great athletes, great stories. So if you can get there by any means, make sure you get there. Hell yeah. Tickets are only 10 bucks, man. We're not doing a lot of VIP stuff this time. Tickets are only $10. If you ain't got $10 to spare, holler at your boy on the website, and we can probably work something out. We just want you to bring the kids and have a good time. That's every father and son's dream, man, is just to go to a wrestling show. Absolutely. Oh, great shit, great shit. Go ahead and plug your, your socials and all that good shit that where everybody can find you. Uh, all you got to do is Google the word just BCA, all one word, J-U-S-T-B-C-A, and you will find me except for on Instagram because Instagram and Meta or whatever the hell the company is is stupid when it comes to copyright issues. Uh, so unfortunately, a foreign bot has the just BCA name, so you can find me there at my full government name, all one word, Brandon Corey Alexander. Um, you can find me on YouTube, just BCA, Twitter, just BCA, Twitch, just BCA. Pretty much, if you just Google that, you'll find me not that hard to find yeah make sure y'all check them out um for dark chords and draven grimes we'd like to thank brandon alexander for being the guest today had a great conversation i hope you enjoy it too buy his merch buy his merch buy our merch buy your merch have you oh uh (laughs) and you're gonna be uh, buying something else pretty soon too i just can't reveal it yet oh shit oh shit (laughs) Looking forward to that. And we'll see you in about 10 days on the 22nd. Um, yes, sir. Thank you guys for yeah, listening but. to the Heel Shit Podcast. Why do we call it that? Because bad guys do heel shit. See you next time.